Hey, it's the franchise from Talking Pop with the franchise and Biko. Just let you know, we have a storefront. It's teespring.com slash Talking Pop. We got shirts. We got tank tops for men, women, kids. We also got hoodies and sweatshirts. Um, we actually have coffee mugs and we have an iPhone case and a Samsung case with the Popstronaut logo on there. Also, we have stickers so you can put on your locker, on your laptop, wherever you want to put those stickers on there. So right now, if you go to teespring.com slash TalkingPop, and when you go to check out, use the promo code TalkPop and save $5 on your order. Support the podcast. As always, geek on and take care. Boys and fangirls, welcome to another edition of Talking Pop with the Franchise of Biko. It's the podcast on all things pop culture. I'm your gracious host, the Franchise, and of course, joining me is my co host, my brother from the same mother, Biko. Hello. And guys, you know, right now it's the holiday season, right now, of course, uh, as we're recording it, it is Christmas Eve. Um, but we finally, this past weekend, we finally went to go see Star Wars Rise of Skywalker. Um, we saw Sunday. Um, before we get into that, um, we also want to talk about The Mandalorian that was out last week, that, that episode last week, um, because, of course, um, Disney Plus decided to be smart, decided to release the episode on Wednesday, not to, to coincide with, you know, the release of Skywalker, so that way there'd be no discrepancy when it comes to viewings. And of course, this week is be the, this Friday will be the season finale of The Mandalorian, so we want to talk about that episode before. So mostly this is the penultimate episode, of course, um... This episode of The Mandalorian was pretty much the culmination of everything that's been going on since the first episode, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much, you know, Mando was in on the wrong with a child, and of course he met some allies, created some allies along the way. You know, you got the former shock trooper, and of course you got the, the Agnok, um, who we find now his name is Cooley. Cooley, um, who's voiced by Nick Nolte, so he gets to the, see them again. Um, they actually end up making an appearance. And of course you see Carl Rose reprises his role as the guild leader. One of the good leaders, and basically, um, he ends up uh, running out Mando and the child are traveling around the galaxy, and basically to get a message from you know the guild leader, and he's saying that there's a way for them to pretty much you know bury the hatchet, and they can go their ways to get the client, you know, because basically the client was the one that pretty much put the hit on Mando, pretty much put the bounty because he took the child. So they found a way. So the leader of the guild pretty much found a way to. Pretty much telling all Mando, hey, come with me. And, of course, Mando thinking, you know, I better be a crew. 
Yeah. Well, so he ends up going out recruiting, you know, the people he made friends with, and of course, can trust. That you can trust, yeah. And then pretty much the big shocker was that one droid. If you remember from that episode where that one uh, bounty hunter droid, he ends up making an appearance back. But apparently, um, Coley, who's a dog knock, the one that you know Mando uh, made friends with, um, pretty much found them, fixed them up, and pretty much pre-poked on them from you, from scratch, basically, into like a helper droid. And of course, Mando having that whole um, prejudice against droids because, of course, if you've seen the show so far, you know his family and his, the town he grew up in was attacked by droids. So he's still almost he's still like skeptical and paranoid that you know the droid can turn. But of course, you know, Chloe said, you know, I'm the one who programmed him. All he's doing is helping people. You gotta trust me. That's all I see. That's all his phrases. That's all. I, that's what I said. So and of course, you got. And then we find out that he used to work on Empire. He used to work for the, the, the Galactic Empire at that time because they, there's a big revelation because people are, were debating, you know, online about Baby Yoda, the codename Baby Yoda. Was he a clone, you know, genetically cloned in an experiment? And he find, and then Coley pretty much gives the revelation that, you know, he's not. He was natural. The child was naturally born. It wasn't, you know, it was not genetic modified. It wasn't a clone because he said he had experience working in those labs. But the child is pretty much pure. You know, it was, you know, given birth. Um, and of course, um, like I said, we got Gina Carano coming back as the shot trooper. Um, she gets to help out. Um, and, you know, like I said, Mando is some of those crew. And basically the whole thing, the whole setup is um, that basically the plan is to go meet with the client and pretty much, you know, kill him. It kind of felt like the way to get out of it is to basically kill him. That pretty much calls off the whole... John, apparently this guy, the, the client is a former Empire. Apparently he has ties to all other former, like, warlords that used to work for the Galactic Empire who were under the Empire's control. Take him down, pretty much kill the, pretty much kill the snake by the head and the rest will follow, basically. That's kind of what they're trying to do. And, of course, um, they get to the camp. Um, they camp out, and, of course, um, we get to see more of the child's powers. Um, pretty much, uh, they get into a fight with these creatures, and of course, um, Carl character, uh, he gets, you know, attacked really bad. Apparently, the child has abilities, uses force abilities to heal the guy. Uh, yeah, Carl Weathers. Carl Weathers character, yeah, he gets to heal him. Um, and of course, if you want to go for the rest of the episode, uh, your take on it. Um, towards the end, they essentially are trying to break, uh, do a trade off with the Empire, or the last of the Imperial guard that are trying to maintain the, with, I guess, the First Order, New Order. Well, the First Order hasn't been risen yet. Right, but it's just the remnants of the Empire. The remnants of it, like, it's like the, after the Civil War kind of deal. It's very similar to that in, like, America's history. But, um, we see them trying to include a trade, but it ends up being a fluke, and we see them, because it's essentially an ambush, the route number, Carl Weathers kind of gave them faulty information, because he thought it was only going to be four, a couple stormtroopers, and it ends up being, like, the whole fucking, like, extra garrison and they start coming and so they're kind of outnumbered so they try to get Hightail out of there um, but the two Imperial Guards that let them in were apparently uh, Stormtroopers or what they, they're speeders cause they have Oh yeah, Nicole so, tries to get over to speeder and Yeah, and they use uh, Nick Nolte's characters but he has uh, the package because they try to use the, his carrier as a bluff to, and they use that as bait with the commander, I'm assuming, of that army and uh that's what, I guess, 
and started the chase because they let that led them on because something wasn't right with the trade off and they kind of read that and so I think they got the overhead too and then oh yeah that one guy comes yeah yeah, yeah Gina Carlo Esposito makes an yeah. appearance because I know there were rumors so it's like an old western standoff yeah. essentially because they just get ambushed and then of course Warner um, Herzog's character he ends up dying he ends up getting yeah, killed but um, but yeah it was a big revelation that Gina Carlo Esposito comes out if you remember him from Breaking Bad. Um, I, there were rumors that he was going to be in the show, but they didn't really, like... I guess he's a big baddie now. He's one of the big uh, Sith warlords that, you know, from the Empire over, Warlords yeah. that was left over from the old regime. But, yeah, it's like a lot of people are hating him because all now everything's doing back for Mando around. And it sucks right now is, you know, Coley now, you know, we know the baby's taken. And, like I said, all you see is like a smoldering speeder bike. I'm assuming Coley got shot in the back. And pretty much that's how the episode pretty much ended by me. To me, it's like, it's something, you know, going to, like, the season finale this week, it's going to be interesting how it's going to play out when it eventually will lead to a second season. Yeah. I mean, to me, it's like either, I'm assuming Mando and Kara are pretty much, you know, they're pretty much stuck in, you know, they're pretty much captured. I mean, they're probably, they're probably in prison and probably had to find a way to get out and eventually to free the child. But, you know, the one thing is, yeah, the bounty's no longer on his head, but the problem is now they got to deal with this um, character that got introduced, you know. This other, like, former empire, like, warlord that's pretty much has now has a child in his grasp. And hopefully they'll show him what the plan is, why they need the child. Because I know they took, like, a blood sample from it, but there's got to be a reason why they took a child, why the child's becoming, like, the main, you know... Because the whole show was the main, that the child was the main thing. But hopefully in this last episode we'll find out what the main purpose is. Because the only thing we knew was, oh yeah, they took its blood. And that was it. But they didn't really specify what they were going to use the child for. Yeah. So hopefully in the last episode this Friday we hopefully get our answer. Still very sketchy, but yeah. But way, the show's enjoyable, you know. Like I said, it's like a West, it's a space western basically, but it's really enjoyable. Um... Like I said, it's like I said, it's the first live action Star Wars series. I mean, there's been animated versions of you know Clone Wars, which I'm currently watching right now, and I'm pretty much finishing up the feature length feature because um, IGN and StarWars.com posted like uh, of how to view the episodes in chronological order, mm-hmm. and that's why I'm like right now I've watched like the first two episodes of Clone Wars that were from season one, and it supposedly leads into you know the, the feature length film, and Basically, you can go on IGN or go on there. Um, you can actually see how you're supposed to watch each episode. Because even though it's supposed to be like ethological, but they kind of like connect. And I'm gonna watch Rebels, and then of course, um, there's another show that's Star Wars Resistance. I think it's called too, because it has like the character Poe Dameron in there. It's like the beginnings of the Resistance. Um, but over further ado, um, since we're this whole episode is pretty much gonna be like Star Wars esque, um, let's get to it. Um, Rise of Skywalker. Basically, this is the final film of the Skywalker saga. Um, pretty much, it's going to be the final, you know, trilogy style. Because, I mean, there's been conflicting reports, you know, that they're going to move on from the whole trilogy format and just do, like, anthological films. I mean, it hasn't been set in stone yet, but there are reports, you know, coming from Lucas and from Disney that pretty much, you know... They're going to move on from, like, the trilogy format. But, like I said, it hasn't been officially announced yet. But there's been, like, like I said, there's been conflicting reports. Um, my expectation, like, me, go, like, my expectation for this movie was, you know, get closure. You know, this is, you know, it's been teased as this is the end 
um, of the saga. And like I said, for me, it was more like closure, you know, find out, you know, who Ray's family is, you know, who, where she came from. And of course, you know, and plus you do a lot of things going into this film was, of course, Leia, because, you know, God rest her soul, um, Carrie Fisher passed away a few years ago and how they were going to write her in. And apparently they were able to use footage from like, I guess, um, footage from like the Force Awakens that they filmed, filmed for like the needed scenes. So they were able to add her with the blessing of her family. With the blessing of her family, they were able to add, you know, Leia in there. So it was kind of cool. And, and pretty much, you know, Biko, what was your like expectations going to this film before we went to go? Um... Well, after watching The Last Jedi, I uh, didn't have a lot of high hopes for this trilogy. But it was nice to see that there's going to be like a, an end to it uh, for the Skywalker saga, essentially. And going into it, I didn't really have a lot of expectations because I don't want to... I never want to go into it having expectations, especially for a Star Wars movie. So I kind of just thought that it would just... I would hope they would give a proper send-off. That was the only thing I had for it, really. Um, so, like, if you want to do, I want to say, like, a pros and cons to it, we can start off with pros. Okay. Um, I, don't have, I don't have a lot of pros. Oh, so. shit. <laughs> Just to let you know, guys, there are going to be spoilers. Yeah. So, warning, if you've not seen the film, watch the film first and then come back and um, listen to the rest of this episode. Like I said, same thing if you haven't seen The Mandalorian, catch up on that. Um, there are going to be some spoilers to the film um, itself because um, I don't know if you want to just break it down by scene or you want to look at other reviews first before we give our pros and cons and see what other reviewers said about it. Mm-hmm. You want to pull some up? I found some on, uh, pretty much got it from Rotten Tomatoes. So, I mean, they're, I mean, based on the score that Rotten Tomatoes pretty much gave it, they pretty much gave it a 55% and a tomato meter. While the audience pretty much gave it 86%. Uh, apparently the rating was about, let's see, pretty much for the ratings that the critics were giving it on Rotten Tomatoes, about the average was about 6.17 out of 10. Um, pretty much based on 395 reviews, um, the fresh was only 217, while Rotten was 178, so the margin was kind of close when it comes to that. And based on the audience, um, about forty four thousand seven hundred thirty two audience reviews, and pretty much the average rating was about four point three one out of five stars. So I mean, it looks like the audience was was kind of forgiving. Um, pretty much, uh, let's see if I can pull up here. Well, here's the top critics um, from Bob Mandelo from NPR. Um, what he said about the film. He said that it doesn't do anything new or even terribly distinctive, but maybe it didn't have to. It just had to be good enough to stick to the landing, and it does that. So it was kind of like, well, I would say like a positive review, but saying that it was okay. It wasn't great, but it was okay. Um, let's see here. Uh, this is uh, from Matthew Lacona from the San Diego Reader. He, he, wrote, he quotes that when you meet up with the brash pilot Poe, his life speed skipping his way out of trouble, and Abrams is in much in the same mode, whisking you from one thing to the next before you have time to think or feel anything in response. I think to me that's pretty much attacking like the pacing of the film. So that could be one of the like, pros, oh, and yeah. cons, pros and cons on that one. <laughs> that's one of them. Um, 
like I think for pros, pros, J.J. Abrams always has a good production. Mm-hmm. So it looked visually like really good. I don't have any complaints about that one. Yeah, because he likes to put he likes to take pride when it comes to when he does films, you know, based on his previous work. So. Yeah, he likes to put a lot of effort. I would say, yeah, I agree with that pro, like, you know, the visuals. To me, the effects and the visuals were really great, you know. It really was colorful. I mean, the creature effects was great, you know. We got to see more diverse. Uh, Baba Frick was kind of like, you know, it's kind of interesting because he's a little smaller creature, but he's like, he knows how to fix shit. You know, it's kind of cool. That was a kind of cool effect as well. Um... Like I said, uh, and then we got to see, you know, like another droid that pretty much is like, if you think about it, this little droid is pretty much, for BB-8, is as R2-D2 as the C-3PO. So he gets to have his little friend, basically. Um, but visuals was great, you know, the lightsabers and, of course, the, the, the you know, the battles in space and everything. Of course, the whole, you know, with Poe with the light speed skipping. That was kind of cool transitions. Because to me, I was like, oh, wow, that's how fast that ship can go. Because at first, they were, like, escaping, like, some kind of, almost like a underground frozen-type world. And all of a sudden, they do light speed. They're, like, in the city. Then they do light speed again. They're somewhere else. So that was, like, you know, that was an interesting transition in the first few minutes of the film. Um, of course, with the, kind of like the visual would be, you know, another pro with the visuals was the effects were Ray and her force powers. Especially that one scene when she's like levitating and you got all the rocks like surrounding her in a certain formation. I, I looked that was kind of cool because, you know, she's testing out her powers. And of course, we find out that Leia is the one that's teaching her the rest. Because Luke pretty much taught Leia. Um, I would say another pro, uh, a pro for me, since you gave one. I would say the pro would have to be the choreography when it came to like the lightsaber battles. Especially the ones when um, Ray and Kylo Ren were kind of cool because that was kind of weird for the fact, yeah, they're fighting, but they were at different places at the same time, but they still felt each other's presence. Especially when, you know, Kylo's looking for, you know, for Ray, and pretty much he finds out that she's at that planet or that festival and he got, somehow grabs the necklace and he comes back with it. Which is kind of interesting because we saw a glimpse of that in The Last Jedi, but here it looks like they, they were able to show more of it. So Abrams kind of brought that, that thing from Ryan Johnson from The Last Jedi, the whole, you know, they can sense each other's presence, but at the same time, it was being the same, you know, material plane. Strange. But the fighting was going, the choreography between the fights between Ren and, you know, and Kylo Ren and, um, and Ray were really, really good. I mean, kind of like for the fact they try to... And then I kind of like for a fact that, you know, especially also in the gunfights as well. Like the space battles as well. Um, what's another pro that you have for it? Um, this music sounds always good. Uh, I guess there's a lot about more space scenes in this one, which is a lot better. I think uh, the way they captured those weird Sith world was really cool. I think the... I really like the Palpatine scenes. Those were, I think, was it was nice to see. Uh, yeah, Palpatine back in here and, and showing his evil shit again, and I think he's always good with that. And and, and it's of, just weird how they were able to bring him back because I guess it was like Abrams' yeah. call that he wanted to bring him back. Mm-hmm. It was just it was it was all right. Like I I didn't mind that, but that really it was nice for me at least personally to watch him come back again. But. Um, I don't know. That was I don't I can't really think of more pros than that. Oh god! Like, I don't have a lot of pros. I really don't. I wish I did, man. I don't. Mm. It's just 
you want to go to cons, I'm ready. Um, I would say to me the pro will have to be you know the closure. Because we got to see, you know, yeah, we got to see, well, kind of cool is we got to see a, one last look at the original crew. We got to see, you know, Han Solo for a little bit for that one scene with Kylo with Ren, you know, he, you know, Leia gave her all, basically she used her full extent of force to try to find some way to channel or try to, I think she used her power to bring Han or try to make her son, you know, Ben, you know, Ben, you know, see, you know, pretty much, you know, what he's done, you know, conflict and stuff. Yeah. She used all, all her force power pretty much, you know, try to get through to her son. That was like her last act. And she had, I was, you know, to me, yeah, it was a way to cure her off. But it's like, it was to me, it's like the steps that a mom will go to for her child. And good to see Han, you know, make an appearance again. You know, Harrison Ford make an appearance again as Han, you know. It was kind of similar to Force Awakens. Like the dialogue looked kind of the same, but kind of changed up because at first, you know, here we go again, you know, it was the same thing again, you know, you know. You know, Kylo being, you know, conflicted between the dark and light and, you know, what happened, unfortunately, is when he stabbed Han. But this time, he pretty much, Leia and Han got through to Ben. Mm. It got, they got through to him. After so much, you know, him, you know, back and forth, he finally got, they finally were able to get through, of course, when they were already past the, you know, material plane. But to me, it's like, it gave closure to Ben as well. Because you know, as, even though he he threw yeah, away he from the, the large best, side, his yeah. his parents never gave up on him. He had the best character developed in the movie. Yeah, his parents, and what I like about it, his parents never gave up on him. That's why I like that his parents never gave up. I think he did a good job. And say that with Luke Skywalker, we got closer with him as well. This little scene, yeah. But Coming back everything just a fan service. I think so. well, fan service, but same thing. It's like to give like the viewers like the last time to but see these was, characters. Like it's wrong basically with the movie though. And of course we got to see Chewie, okay, cool Chewie. I mean, C three PO and R two D two, and and another thing too with the pro was you know C three PO man having personality was kind of weird. Like I, I don't know why why there were some scenes were kind of like there was a little bit of comedic moments in this film, you know, and C three PO not getting it and stuff. And it's like just like Poe's like patience with C three PO man. It was like his patience was always tested, especially when they were trying to get him the. Translate the the dagger, mm-hmm. because of course it was like the language of Sif and he couldn't do it because it was against his programming. Even though he was fluent in so many languages, they couldn't do it. So that's why they had to go to that one planet to find somebody that was able to hack it. And it kind of, of course, it came to the cost of his memory. And that's funny because they were making jokes saying, "Oh, like they're telling people maybe R two D two has like your backup file." And R C three was like bursting off saying, "Of all the things he R two D two has, who knows if his backup file is actually reliable?" And of course, you find out later on in the film. R2 did have a backup file of his memory, of uh, C-3PO's memory, so that kind of, like, you know, brought his personality back. And it was good to see, you know, those two droids, you know, the last time, you know, C-3PO say, oh, it's my best friend, and all that, and of course, um, like I said, we see Lando coming back as well. We got to see Billy D. Williams reprise his role Lando. He was in a lot of the parts. Hmm? He was in a lot of parts in the movie. Yeah, it was kind of cool. He did play some key roles. It was kind of cool to have him come back, and that was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Had Lando and gets to fly the Falcon again, mm-hmm. and because that was his ship before, and so got to see him come back and help with the fight. And of course, we got so another pro too. We got to see other characters being developed as well. We got to see when they go on that one plan. We got to see the former people that were stored, you know, that were conscripted as kids. Because remember, Finn was taken as a child. 
because since the like the first order stopped with the whole cloning thing, and pretty much took kids when they were young and tried to conscript them into the the first order, mm-hmm. basically trained them you know when they're kids, and when they went to that one plan with that race searching with the dagger and they run into the, that group of you know people and they find out that they were former stormtroopers. And they found out as soon as, you know, they were first, first order stormtroopers and they found what they were about to do. They end up, like, turn, putting their guns down and walking away. And I know there's, like, fan theories going on. Apparently, the that girl that Glando was talking to apparently could be his daughter. Because apparently there's a visual dictionary that actually talks about it. Mm. Apparently there's a fictional dictionary that's tied to, like, the Rise of Skywalker. And gives, like, talks about all these characters. Apparently there's a passage from that book saying, um... Then Lando, after, you know, the Empire fell, settled down, and supposedly had a daughter, but his daughter was taken. So there's since that possibility that is his daughter, all grown up. And she doesn't realize it. Because they went through all the whole Force Order programming and stuff. Um, another thing with the Pro, I would say, of course, is just seeing the opening crawl. Mm-hmm. Of course, you can't have a Star Wars film without an opening crawl. Because it's like... It's like, you know, it's just nostalgia because that's how the film started back then. Of course, with the opening crawl with the familiar music by, conducted by John Williams, who pretty much conducted the, the, the music for the film as always. You know, great, you know, composer. He's done so many films. Um, other than that, I mean, I can't think of any more pros. I don't know, it's just a closure, man. Closure to the whole saga. All right, Beagle, let's go with the cons. Um, the first hour was just all over the place. It was mm-hmm. messy. All from the get go, it reminded me of watching like the pilot episode of Lost. So, it wasn't too far from what JJ Abrams usually does. But I that it just so much was crammed in the beginning, and I feel like it didn't let him. He didn't let himself flute, like flesh out some scenes so we can at least grasp it. For the plot, because all like the plot becomes very convoluted, and it started getting really messed up once the movie started progressing after that hour. Like even when they were going, because the the main goal of the movie was that they wanted to end the whole war. End the whole war with the Sith, because he the Emperor was has was behind the scenes hide, hiding in the Sith planet that was off the map on the radars. And making this humongous army of warships that have planet killer technology on each one. So they can just go around destroying planets. So the Rebel Alliance had to fucking like go nuts. And and the Resistance had to go and send all that they got. So they went around the galaxy rounding up their troops. Uh, Rey was going along because she has to fucking find Ben. And they're fighting and shit because Kylo wants to... Uh, essentially what? Not kill... I, I guess you could say kill the Emperor... Because even though the Emperor wanted to reunite with Rey, he wanted him to bring her to him. So she he can either one turn to the dark side so they can rule the galaxy. But I think it would end up Rey killing him. Another thing too, we find out that Rey ends up being Palpatine's granddaughter. Yeah, so we find out that yeah, Rey started from Palpatine. Which it could be just... It's so... That's the problem is that they just... They, he cramps everything on the last movie... And they try to do like Return of the Jedi and uh, Empire Strikes Back with Luke and everything. So they just re- recycle everything, but use different characters. And I think the reason why we find out why 
Ray's parents left her on Jakubo to protect her from to protect her from the dark side from her dark, from her grandpa from her own good dad and the same thing like that Luke did the same thing with Obi Wan they just or they had to protect him from Anakin so it was the same thing mm-hmm. uh, and so they do it with Ray they gotta cram it all in even with the lightsaber battles they weren't long enough I just there wasn't anything too anything too significant about the film that you could take away from. They just cram in a lot of fan service and appease a lot of the fans' discretions from the last couple movies, and I think that's a bad thing because it shows the negative side of the fan, the fandoms, and and sucks because they could just make a property if they listen to them sometimes, and it can end up hurting a freaking idea or property in a franchise. Like you just ended a Skywalker saga, and like it was weird. They just cram, they try to cram everything in, and it was it just kind of like remind me. How a lot of people would show a lot of gripe for the Game of Thrones season, the last mm-hmm. one. Yeah. It just, they try to, like, do a bunch of shit in the last one, and he try to basically clean up whatever Ryan Johnson left up, and, like, it kind of sucks, because now I'm thinking maybe he, they should just let him do all three, and then give Ryan Johnson the next go-around, and he maybe going to give him enough time, because it just shows that, like, they're rushed. Maybe if he was given enough time, mm-hmm. he wouldn't just throw us a bunch of, like, Light speed chase, just like them in the movie, how they were jumping light speed. That's what he did in the first hour, and it's like, well, fuck, dude, what the hell? And then the last hour, you kind of get rushed into, and I think that kind of hurt the 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 climax of the movie because he's just throwing all these characters in. Like we got to see the Knights of Ren, but they didn't do much. We they just end up seeing him fight Kylo, and then Rey's end up going on her own journey. We see her train and stuff. That's cool. It's just like Luke and Dagobah. Then we get maybe. A, a minute of her dark side ray and they we see that fucking like, oh when she goes to that that old broken up like the remains of the old death yeah, star and, and it didn't even last that long no that's, that's the one thing i hated about like, was the sequence was so short on certain like, things why why it's just a bunch of teases in here just to throw it in there it's like oh yeah don't forget about these people oh yeah don't forget about these people oh yeah oh yeah let's bring harrison four pm bunch of money for this two minute scene boom Let's throw all the phantom voices of all the people who are on each side of the force. Oh, yeah, I heard about that. Cram yeah. it all in and it sounded like a bad fucking medley for a It would have worked. You know what they should have done? Like, what? If they would have, like, having the what budget, that, what should have done was have, like, the voices, but have the actors. They should have shown, you know, like. Together and the They should have shown, you know. Shit. But, yeah, I think the only thing, I like, the kind of felt, same thing with you, but the kind I felt about was there wasn't enough. They, they cram everything as much as they can. If it's a two-hour, twenty-minute movie, the only thing that kind of annoyed me was was yeah, it was cool seeing Palpatine back. But the same thing is yeah, they show a glimpse how they brought him back. And apparently, we see like the the cryogenic tubes where the Snokes are. Yeah. So now we know that Snoke was a byproduct of that like the essence that was brought on by the Emperor. He just made him up. He just made him up. Like but the only thing I didn't see, it didn't show. What I didn't like for a fact, it didn't explain how he survived. You know, falling into that reactor. Because remember, if you return a Jedi, Vader threw him into the reactor. Yeah. So it didn't explain how. Apparently, we don't find out until later in the film that oh, you know what? Apparently, Sith have the ability after they get struck down, they can transfer their essence or spirit or force into into a new body. Because that's the whole thing was. At first, we thought oh, Palpatine wants Ren to bring Ray so he can kill her. No, she wanted she wanted the same thing that the Emperor wanted Luke to do. Because Luke wanted uh, the Emperor wanted Luke to strike him down, so he so he can go into uh, Luke's body and pretty much you know take over him. 
And of course, you know, we saw what happened with Church and of course, you know, Anakin was able to recover, you know, from the grass of so, uh, Palpatine was able to avoid that. And of course, Palpatine, you know, Emperor Palpatine wanted the same thing with Rey. He she he wanted her to strike him down so that way he could transfer his consciousness and all this stuff into Rey. Yeah. Pretty much, pretty much like it was the kind of thing to learn so from the Sith. Young again. <laughs> basically, yeah, basically take the life force because you saw what happened. Like they end up having that. It was kind of cool seeing. You know, that's the only thing I didn't hate. That I kind of hated was for the fact that there wasn't enough explanation, and like you said, they cramped everything down mm-hmm. so they didn't get that much. You know. Everybody's getting everybody's backstabbing everybody. Pretty much. What? Like pretty much. It was like, I mean, yeah, that was the one thing I kind of hated was the whole cramming. And of course, you know, JJ was pretty much trying to clean up the so the so called mess that Ryan Johnson left in the previous mm-hmm. film. I just, oh. he's such a I don't I don't get it. Like he wanted to make it just like Lost, and it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. Mm-hmm. I wish he took his time. They also like try to rush him. I I figured like that's the case. If they haven't rushed him, then maybe he could have given us a better movie. But then too, who knows? Like I know it's hard. It's got to be a really yeah. Hard it's got to be a lot of pressure too. Stupid Star Wars movie because you got to appease a certain level of people. What? And damn. same thing too. There we never got to hear what the words that Finn wanted to tell Ray. Yeah, that too. That's what kind of irked me too. Central. Like we didn't like Bob we didn't. Bowl central. Because I thought the whole thing was, you know, there was something going on between Ray and Finn. It was like, it was from like the first film. There was something going on between two. It was never yeah. explored. That was so stupid. It was everything was forced. But it's kind of funny with, with Poe because it was like, well, think about it. The only thing I would say, like, just the first time they were all together in the same place. If you think about it. Yeah. Most of the last two films, they were either separated or in different spots. They're all about being together. Yeah. Being together. Together. Because that was it. Because in the last film, they were all like and in their separate ways. Because everything works out for the best, like ends up all happy, right? It ends like any other Star Wars movie does, though. Because like that ending is always the same. There's more or less they just celebrate back in the force space that they were at, and then like that that wrapped up everything. But then like I like the one scene movie. where you know Ray went to like the Tatooine and she went to the old home. To, oh yeah, the old home. She yeah. buried like the lightsabers. Mm. And of course, the lady asked her, that one lady I was traveling by, and saying, oh, I haven't seen anybody been here in our place in years. What's your name? And of course, you know, we get to see one last look of uh, Luke and Leia. And she and Ray ends up taking the name Skywalker. Because remember, Leia was the one that trained her, and of course, she got some training from Luke as well. And yeah, the only thing I really kind of too was that one scene too, where, you know, so many jumbo voices. It was like... It, they were shining so fast. The only thing I'm, the only voice I was able to make out of was Yoda. Oh yeah, because yeah, he said two things. He said two things, but I don't know if it was ever McGregor shining as Obi Wan or if it was Mace Windu. It was both. They had both he one and the other guy McGinnis. So it was kind of like a flip flop. It was kind. It was kind of like I don't know. That to me, it was like it was a cool fight, but at the same time, it was like ah. Um... But it, that hexagon world looked kind of cool as well, though. It, it did look kind of cool that that was a Sith planet. Mm. Dedicated to the Sith. Um, I think the one big surprise for me was Hawks was the spy. Yeah, that was just like, okay. That was, okay. Cool. I understand. There was like, in the first two films, Hawks and Ren never saw eye to eye. Because you think about it, in the first two films, they were like, pretty much like squabbling like kids, basically. 
he hates him, you know, even though that's why it was funny. It was like, I don't care who wins. I just hate him. I was like, I want him to lose. I want him to lose. I'm like, what the fuck? He gets killed by the, the other guy because they knew he was the spy. He, he caught out that guy was the spy and then he gets shot. It's like, oh, okay. See you, man. That's, you know, you forced, you tried to force Finn to shoot you. Just doesn't make it look like you were. Just weird. Just... Yeah, that was, to me, that was the big surprise. Uh, to me, that was something that caught me off guard. Like, wait, right. what? He, he was the spy? Like, what? I guess he was going to help him off the ship. That's fine. That helps. All right, we get this guy, and then, like, plows, man. Just, like, they just do a bunch of, they just throw, man, he just, there's, like, the plot. The plot goes a bunch of different ways, mm-hmm. and he somehow thinks that, like, just because we show him a different scene, we don't get this guy for, like, the longest time, then he gets thrown back in. It's, like, he's trying to weave this weird web to connect it back together again and it doesn't work that way when you're telling a story it has to be pretty sequential but I think he me- that's what me- he messed him up the most because mm-hmm. he was speeding through it he didn't he'll throw it at us and he thought that we could just put the piece together once these guys would be together because then it's like Ray fucks off for a bit too when they're trying to escape a, um, what should we call it when they keep getting when they go back to the prison and they get trying to get Chewie back and they go back out no, one thing that threw me off was we so, thought everyone thought Chewie died. He's yeah, like, so now when the transport thing, and then transport. all of a sudden they're like, "Oh, there's another transport ship!" Like, where was the other transport was, ship? Was it? Because yeah. I thought, "Oh, this is how they're gonna write off Chewie," and you know, it kind of. I thought this was the way the motivate Ray. Like, oh, I screwed up, you know, yeah. because it gave her like more extra motivation than to find out. Oh, Chewie's alive. I'm like, I'm not. I love Chewbacca. I felt that was kind of like a, another surprise that Aiden was decided to throw into the mix. Like, oh, guess what? There was another transport ship. He survived. It was so weird. It was just like, I thought, you know, you know, like I said, Chewbacca dying, you know, gave Ray another motivation saying, I have these powers, but sometimes it comes at a great risk. Not only they help me, but sometimes they can hurt others like, that I don't intentionally want to hurt. Because that was crazy when they were both like, her and Kylo Ren were struggling to get that ship. They're both playing like pretty much like a tug of war, and one thing I did like was that festival they went to. That was kind of cool. It was like colorful. It was like it's like if you went to Burning Man. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, I was like a nod to like Burning Man kind of because they had like a statuesque thing there, and they were all celebrating and stuff. They're like you get to see a different aliens. That was kind of cool too. Different creatures as well, and that's the, the little girl gives a uh, gray. The little girl gives a uh, red necklace and stuff. It was kind of cool. But yeah, that was kind of like weird too. Was Okay, um, Championship throws it up, and all of a sudden, like, you know, your Ray's upset, everyone's upset, oh, Chewie died, you know, and then all of a sudden, you're, we come back to, like, the ship, like, oh, Championship made it, one of our Championships died, but another one made it, and we got a special prisoner, and I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, that's what I said, that was my thing, was, where now. was that other ship, dude? That's like, that's what threw me off, like, where, was, where was the other transport ship? Why we sold one ship? Yeah. So, yeah, it, like I said, that's the only thing, it was, like, these, like, weird... Like, I don't know, like, plot holes are just, like, surprises that he pretty much, like, threw at you, basically. Um, yeah, it was, like, one of those, like, piles and... Here you go, I'm looking at this, I'm pulling up, like, the trivia thing. I mean, I'm pulling up the trivia that's from IMDb. Some trivia effects that dropped from the film. And, of course, there's one thing that I do point out that it's been said in every Star Wars film. The always chord line... I have a bad feeling about this. Oh, yeah. it, it was in every film. It was like basically like one of the the, the main catchphrases throughout the whole like the whole the, the whole saga. 
it was cool seeing that, you know, I think Lando's the one that ended up saying it. Um, apparently, according... Look at this. Uh, according to this one tree effect, this is from IMDb, it says, When George Lucas originally had laid out plans for 12 episodes, then reducing that number to 9, he said that C-3PO and R2-D2 will be the only characters to appear in all 9. And, of course, that's be true, because as all Anakin and Obi-Wan Kenobi, the other characters that appear in every movie of the original prequel trilogy did not appear in the sequel trilogy. Only Anthony Downs is the only actor to appear in all nine episodes. Hmm. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Well, this is this. Like, here, Billy Dee Williams had ex- heavily expressed interest in reprising his Rose Lando. Of course. Well, I don't think he's got anything else going on. Oh, it says here... Brian Johnson considered using them in Star Wars Episode Eight, but decided it wouldn't fit well in the story. And it says, of course, uh, last last year, last July, it was confirmed that Lan- Williams, at the rumors that Williams would be returning as Lando for you know Rise of Skywalker. But he showed that he was interested in coming back as Lando, so it kind of shows you know. Um, and of course, we got to see um, Kylo Ren's mask come back to life again. And of course, the whole and I'm still debating on how Ben secured Vader's skull. The char remains of Vader because you saw a Jedi. He was burned on a pyre. He was born. He was born on a. He was burned on a funeral pyre. So I don't know how he was able because it was never mentioned, not even in all the other two films, how he got that you know that relic. I don't know if if Luke gave it to him as a kid or Luke held on to it or. See that to me that never got explained as well how he was able to and it was kind of weird that he was able to use the Vader head as like a catalyst. To me that was kind of weird. That was a little weird. They used that as a catalyst either to search for Ray or something because I don't know because the Vader head has some connection to Palpatine. So it's interesting, you know. Like I said, it's like the little things that you'll find in these films. Just you know, because I did the whole before we did this film before we went to go see the film. I did what everybody else did, rewatched all the films. Not, I'm not including, you know, Solo or Rogue One, because to me those are like standalone anthology films. Even though Rogue One kind of plays some kind of like in between three and four, I just focus more on the main trilogy, the main saga. I mean, I mean, of course, Anakin's connection to. Papatino is, of course, you know, what he said in, what, episode three, when, you know, when Anakin and, at that time, High Chancellor Palpatine were in the, at that opera theater, and he was talking about this one uh, master he had who had the ability, to, to, has the ability to create life, based on the midichlorians. And it kind of me pays a question, because it also takes back to episode one, where, you know, when Qui-Gon asked, you know, Anakin's mother where he came from. That, you know, she, she said she, there was no father, that she just became pregnant. And she just had Anakin. Hmm. So it could be like, it kind of answers the question, maybe, you know, this was a lady or somehow Palpatine decided, you know, one would test this whole theory and create life, but needed a vessel to hold a child. Case in point, Anakin's mother. Anakin's mother. So that does, that makes sense why, okay, now it makes sense why when Kylo used the skull, the Vader skull, and it was able to help her, help him find Rey. Because of Anakin's connection to Palpatine. 
I don't know. It's to me that's I don't know. That's my theory of it. But I mean, I would say this film's okay. Like I said, it's, it's it was something that they had to find a way to close it out. Hmm. It was a close it. It was basically to close out the whole saga. Yeah, I just wish they did a better job at it, but it's for what it's worth. They had to close it out, and I guess we have to wait patiently to see if they'll make another Star Wars. We don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Look at this. Apparently, uh, John Williams made a cameo as the bartender in the Katina yeah. and Kajimi. Mm-hmm. That's kind of cool. I had a lot. Of, I watched like a movie, a video yesterday on all the Easter eggs. I threw it in there, which there is a good one. A good uh, amount of these strikes that they're in there, and um, they—that's like one of the things I guess you could say—is that they put a lot of old characters in there. Um, mm-hmm. And I just, God, I just hope that it doesn't get tarnished enough to where they won't do another saga, which they would, because they kind of left it not necessarily open, but now they can just use different source material within the universe. They can, but yeah, I mean, it also depends on who's holding the wheel at this point. Yeah, I mean, there's so much they can do. I mean, they can always like bring like new characters, or pretty much, you know, like I said, it's like stuff like the Mandalorian. You know, it's set five years after Return of Jedi, mm-hmm. but it could it proves that you can do a different story, but have some ties to the universe. Because it does work. Because, yeah, men learners are not mentioned too much. Like, I mean, if you read the books, like the novels, and, like, all the novels and the comics are based on the Star Wars universe. And, you know, you can make stories. Um, it doesn't have to, like, you know, be about the main crew. You'd be other, about other characters. And that's why I said men type types play that. And then, like I said, in this film itself, it's like... You know, we got to see, you know, who knows. Hopefully, if the actors want to come back. But I know they all expressed that if they end up wanting to do these show like an expansion on the series, they all expressed that they don't want to be, you know, locked in to these characters as a TV series. Because even though there's plans to bring, you know, Ed McGregor is in the works with Disney+, Plus, or they are bringing the show Obi-Wan, it's supposed to show, you know, his time. Not much, it's time, you know, between three and four, basically. I'm not watching it. Well, he's when he went to hiding. I'm not gonna watch it. But I'm not watching it. Like I said, they expressed that they're not interested to reprise those characters like outside the films. Yeah, they're just like I don't even know if they people want to come back. I feel like there's just too much pressure on the actors as well, and to put on a good performance and what they have to do depending on what the director's vision is, and sometimes they are. It's hard to, I don't blame the actors at this point, because, like, fuck, man. It's got to be difficult to figure out what's going to stick mm-hmm. with the fans, and I just wish they did a better job, and I'm just kind of disappointed with it. Um, and I'm not trying to bring down the holiday cheer with everything, <laughs> but, like, uh, go say what you, if you want to go and kind of get closure with the saga, I would say go watch it. It's still, in, for a visual spectacle, it's still pretty, it looks pretty great. So, like, as visually, it's always, J.J. Abrams did really good with that. So, we don't want to yeah, take the visuals the holiday yeah. cheer. But if you need something to watch over the holiday break before New Year's, um, and the theater, I'm assuming, because we went, it wasn't too filled. So, try to find the time to yeah. go watch it and go um, see what you, if you like it. What, yeah. And if you don't like it, you know. Like I said, it's like, like I said, it's. Go for it. Like I said, it's one of those things where 
you know, we grew up in these films. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like I said, you know, like the older generations who grew up on the original trilogy, as for us, we grew up on the... Well, I grew up most... I Because you know, I was born after the original trilogy, so I pretty much was able to watch the original trilogy. Ugh, it was really three years later on VHS or even, you know, in school. But I pretty much grew up more on the original, like the prequels. Um, and of course now, you know, with this generation, you know, we got to like, now they, uh, like the kids now, got to experience Star Wars of this generation, like this trilogy. Um, based on the rankings, what would you rank these nine films? Like, what would be like your top, you know, ones? Out of the nine? Out of nine. If you want to make a list now. Oh, uh, no, yeah. Out of the top ones. If you want to give an opinion why, you know, we can do that. My top. Oh, no, God. We can go back and forth, like, why is we going to be number one? it's going to be so long, Nolly. Um, um, what do you want to do? Like, start from nine up? or uh, this, We'll say, we'll start from nine, nine being the lowest and one being the best. So, the worst, I would have to say, for me, has to be um, Last Jedi. Then, really? Yes, Last Jedi for me is the worst one. Why, um, man? <laughs> no, I just did not like it very much. Um, just not very good for me. Uh, eight B next one would be for me. Um, shit. Uh, I want to say Attack of the Clones mm, because I don't like the act, the writing in that one and the acting. The, the battle stuff is cool. There's parts I do like, but overall, I just don't like it. It's from the prequels, I don't. That's my least favorite one, so that's gotta be number eight for me. Oh wow. Um, number seven has to be Rise of Skywalker. Uh, just wow, number seven, over. like the whole three. Wow. Yeah, I just did not like it a lot. I just thought it was. I just not did not. I was just not very pleased with the film. I was kind of disappointed with how it ended and what they tried to went with. How they closed out this part of the saga, but it is what it is. Um, let's see, that's seven. So six, I want to say, number six has to be uh, Phantom Menace. We'll go with. Episode yeah, so one would be number yeah, six. I don't, there's oh. parts I do like, and I love Darth Maul in there, but man, that was a little rough for the first start of the prequel with, and with what George Lucas was going with at that time. Uh, where he wanted to take that prequel series, uh, Jar Jar Binks, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I'm, yeah, but no, I mean... He's a Sith Lord, but no. Why do you uh, keep saying there's a Sith Lord? The theory. But, uh, I just can't do that one. Um, and what were you, top five now? Top five? Okay, so, I like New Hope a lot for top five. So what would be, like, what would be your number five then? Number five would be New Hope. New mm. Hope would be good, because it kind of introduces the whole thing, as far as what George Lucas came with and he did a great job in introducing it it was just a lot of spectacles and i started to their space hopper you know mm-hmm. um and then force awakens is number is number four because it's the same thing basically but jj abrams kind of played it safe but he introduced us to this part like of the a side. i think he did a good job with it um it's very visually it's great uh it brought us into like kind of the contemporary world of Star Wars from this within this decade mm-hmm. so um it was nice that we are were able to end this this specific decade with Star Wars movies um, to carry on the legacy. So um, he kind of kept this going before Swiggins, and so I had to put that at number four. Um, and then the top three have to be, um, I want to say, uh, Revenge of the Sith has to be uh, top three for me. 
I think that that closed out the series great. Uh, and I love Anakin turning. That's the best part. <laughs> I like Anakin turning. Trying to get. You always been dark side you know, man. You don't want to see pain me, so I'm gonna turn. <laughs> so I would go into that. Um, and dark side all day. So it was nice seeing him go and and yeah, Obi Wan had the higher ground, and so he ended up killing him. So it was cool. That they closed the prequels for us. And I thought they did a good job for that. Uh, number two, uh, Empire Strikes Back, man, um, has to be number two, because it's like, it's a nice little midway for, uh, to carry the series, I mean, Darth Vader, Luke, I am your father, like, that oh, just yeah, blew everybody's, that had to blow everybody's minds at that, and what is it, 1982? I think it was, no, it was like 80, because I think... Yeah, because 78 was when it came out. 83 was when Jedi came out. Okay. Because so it was yeah. three years. That time was... There, so 77, 77 was okay, uh, New so Hope. 80, so like, they were doing like... At that time, because, you know... It was a big effects at that time uh, was like a three-year period between films. It was a big game changer. So at that time, it was like, what? Does it drop? Mike dropped from everywhere. So that was number two. And, and uh, number one has to be Return of Jedi. That was your number one? Yeah. Because, I mean, it kind of closed out the, the original trilogy and, and how it... You know, Luke and, and him, I guess, essentially turning his dad back to the good side because he saw the good in him and how everything ended, Leia and Han getting together and we meet the little Ewoks, the little teddy bears in the forest. And it, it was a nice little close. All the battle scenes in that movie were great. Uh, the, visually, it looked great for 83. Like, it, it looked cool. Um, it still holds up, I think. Yeah. Uh, for what it's worth, it's still fun watching those movies. Uh, at that time, because I mean, I think those would be timeless for a little bit longer. Um, but overall, I think those that would be my order because I, I just okay. I think it holds up. All right, so for mine, um, for my number nine, if we're gonna do like like you know worst to best, mm-hmm. number nine, I'm sorry, it had to be the Phantom Menace. <laughs> yeah. It's because for the fact, I mean, yeah, it's like Lucas like. Like, going back and, like, wanting to re- go back into Star Wars universe and wanting to retell you in the beginnings. Um, it wasn't because of the Jar Jar Binks character. I mean, it does have, you know, kind of say to it because I don't know what Lucas was thinking. I mean, yeah, he wanted to introduce this, like, other alien race. The Gungans, who are, like, almost like they could be both on land and water. So, it was kind of interesting to see a different part of the universe. And a little bit of Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan, you know, we got to see them. You know, Liam Neeson as uh, Qui-Gon Jinn, which to me was kind of cool because he was like, he, I don't know, he has that demeanor to play like a, uh, an instructor or a mm-hmm. teacher or something. He has that demeanor, that You're voice. And then Ian McGregor, you know, it was his debut film in the Star Wars universe. Um, um, I mean, the sequences were good. I mean, the pod racing was great. Um, I don't know. The, the kid playing Anakin was, ah, uh, I don't know. To me, it was okay, but it was like... <laughs> I mean, it was just the Gungans. I mean, the I mean, Jar Jar's pink could have sounded so much better. Yeah. I mean, don't, don't I'm not disgrading. I'm not disgrading. I'm at best, you know. He's a great actor, you know. He tried to do that character justice, but I just wish if George Lucas um didn't make him sound weird. I understand you're trying to make him sound like a. It was just to me. It was like he was supposed to be like I don't know what Lucas was going for. He was trying to make it comedic. He was supposed to be like the what the comedic foil. Yes. It kind of explains, you know, so much. He was trying to do a little bit of comedy into it. But the sequence of Darth Maul was great. That fight scene when Qui-Gon and uh, Obi-Wan facing uh, Darth Maul was kind of cool. I just wish Darth Maul had more time. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
And of course, we're going to see a glimpse of Palpatine. Well, we didn't know it was Palpatine at that time. It was just Arsidious, you know. We didn't know it was Palpatine at the time. But of course, if people who watched the original trilogy, you right away, you know, two and two, you know. But we got to see the beginning. And of course, we see Natalie Portman as, you know, Queen Amidala, which to me is kind of cool. And people don't realize Keira Knightley was in that film as well. That's because I think what they've done was they, they, because they look kind of similar to each other. So they used Keira Knightley as a stand-in for Queen Amidala while, you know, Anna Porter was both the Queen and Padme when they were scenes together. So it was like, you know, the Queen had like a decoy, which we don't, yeah, because we find out later in the film, you know, it was a decoy. And the whole thing with the Trade Federation, it was like interesting, you know, it was like, ninety two. If you, if you hear like those guys in the beginning of the film, they're like, you can tell they're, they're yeah, Lucas making them sound like Asian. Because they were talking with those heavy Asian accents. Was Oh, my God. I was like, That's really? Cool. I mean, back then, you know, it was okay. But, like, now it's like, looking back on that film, it eh, could have done a little bit different there. I mean, I hopefully you had, you know, Asian actors portraying those characters. It wouldn't make much sense. Who knows? I didn't see the whole cast list for that. Yeah, it was kind of cool. I mean, of course, if you watched, I watched the Disney Plus version. I didn't see, because I had to tape the original, and it was the last time we saw the Puppet Yoda. But the, to me, I'm glad when they decided to rebrand the films with like the Blu-ray stuff, they went with Digital Yoda just to make the consistency. Because going back to the original release, that Puppet Yoda looked freaky. You could tell it wasn't done by the Jim Henson Creature Shop. It was done somewhere else. But it was cool to have Frank Oz come back as the voice of Yoda, but it was like, that puppet looked so weird. If you guys watched the original Phantom Menace on VHS. Not the one that's shown on Disney Plus, but that was cool seeing Samuel Jackson win it. But I would say that would have to be my number nine. Um, number eight will have to be like, uh, to me, for number eight, I would say of all the films, I have to go with Last Jedi. Will be not my number eight. But I think you had eight as well, right? Mm-hmm. So, same thing, I agree with you. I mean, it was Ryan Johnson. No, I had his nine. No, I had his eight, so yeah, of course. <laughs> well, he's the second worst, but I'm sitting there, like you said, um, you know, Ryan Johnson tried, you know, try to work what J.J. Aaron's left in Force Awakens, but he tried to add his little flair to it. I mean, it was cool introducing these other characters into the mix, you know. Yeah. I mean, it was cool seeing Luke and back, all this build up of him, it's just the pacing itself. And the certain sequences, you know, I did enjoy. I kind of like the whole one during that one base, and it was kind of paying homage to Empire Strikes Back a little bit. But it was cool, like the ships going through the red sand. That was kind of cool fact as well. But yeah, I mean, it wasn't good. It wasn't great at all. It was, it was well, I would say okay, but not as great. So that would be my number eight. Um, number seven will have to be Attack of the Clones. Um, reason being is. It was... Hayden Christian as Anakin was not... I know a lot of people were griping him because why he's playing Anakin. But, I mean, you gotta, like, speed up the timeline a little bit because I had to find, you know... I mean, to me, it was okay. I wish the dialogue was better written. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it was like... I try, like It's like Luke was trying to be, like, Shakespearean or it's something. So bad. It was like either... He was trying to make Star Wars like a Hamlet, almost. Yeah, and it was bad. It was just... It was just the dogs. Bad, but the sequels were... Action scenes were fine, but I was interested about the but clones. Right, it was just but the other thing too, if uh, if we were watching the Mandalorian at that time and we seen Jango Fett, he's got his helmet off, mm-hmm. which basically to me he's not a true Mandalorian because he basically took his helmet off. Because it apparently, according to the Mandalorian beliefs, if you you can only take off your helmet when you're eating or when you're by yourself, not when you're in public. 
But it was still interesting to see, you know, how the clones came to be. They were all they took his blood and pretty much Ran made copies it, right? of him and they trained him and stuff. And of course he made he got to see Boba Fett. And now we know Boba Fett was basically a clone of his dad, but given a different personality. Made him a son. Um and of course the fight scenes, of course we got to see Christopher Lee as Count Dooku. Oh yeah. Good to see, you know, Cyberman <laughs> and Dracula in that film and you know, and of course we got to see Yoda fight. That was the one. That's one good takeaway I could take is that we got to see Yoda fight with a lightsaber. But yeah, that would be my number seven. This is because the dialogue was, I don't know, it was like George Lucas was trying to be Shakespeare. Like, I'm sorry, dude, you can't be Shakespeare. No one can be Shakespeare. Um, number three, I mean, number, number, seven, number six, well, I have to be, oof. number six would be Rise of Skywalker, would be my number six. Because. To me, like I said, because, you know, closure to Saga, I just wish there was more explanation. Left a lot of plot holes. Pacing was kind of, like, out there. Like, it was jumping around over the place, you know. And and just the surprises that, you know, J.J. was threw into the mix. It was just the little surprises that threw everyone off guard. And same, too, trying to, be, trying to make C-2PO humorous was kind of interesting. The kind of weird in itself back. Trying to make him giving jokes was kind of weird, but... Kind of weird. I can see that's why I put my number six. Alright, so my top five. Uh, my fifth will be I be um fifth will be New Hope. To me, the reason why it's number five is because the fact Oh I'm not missing I'm not missing a film, right? I don't think so. Okay, number five would be yeah, it'll be New Hope because it's pretty much like the introduction to the whole universe. I mean, I'd seen, like, I never saw the original cut of Star Wars. And a lot of people were asking for the original cut, you know. Of course, the ones we, we watched were the ones that Lucas decided to add, like, extra stuff to fill the gaps. You know, he added, like, a few scenes when they're traveling to Mos Eisley Spaceport. They added, like, the stormtroopers on those riding those creatures. Of course, they added digital Jabba in that one scene with Han. So they added him as well, because at first I think it was a puppet at first, but... Decided to make a digital book some movement reasons. Mm-hmm. But, um, like I said, the reason why it's number five is, I mean, it was, you know, it was a good film. It was like an introduction, like an introduction to the universe. And plus, you know, it was Lucas's first attempt. Because, I mean, he went to different studios and Fox took a gamble on it. He went to different studios and they said no. And Fox decided to take a gamble on it. And like, hey, well, I'll finance the film. But, yeah, that'll be my top five. Um, number four will be Wrench of the Sith. Um, reason being because it was pretty much, you know, pretty much, uh, giving, you know, it's basically the, that was the last film we saw before, you know, they decided to bring back the new trilogy because that was, I remember that was one of the films we saw last Star Wars when we saw in theaters for a while until, you know, until 10 years later because they made Force Awakens came out in 2015. So 10 years after that film. You know, going into that because the big anticipation was, you know, finally get to see Anakin turn to the dark side. Yeah. Even though it was, you could saw it was tested a little bit in Attack of the Clones, but we got to see it more to the point that, you know, he got to the breaking point to the fact that Palpatine was able to get into his head and start churning him. But, you know, that the scene, you know, that was a great sequence, you know, the, the scene between him and Obi-Wan. Pretty much, you know, the conflict that Will was having because, you know, this is just the student that he took on after Qui-Gon told him to train the boy, after the Jedi, Con- Jedi Con- said, 
that he should not have been trained. And, of course, you know, Obi-Wan putting all this faith in Anakin, believing he was going to be the chosen one to bring balance to the Force. Um, and, of course, we got to see, you know, James Earl Jones reprise his voice as uh, Darth Vader. Yep. And we got to see, you know, Anakin finally put on the mask and everything. And, you know, of course, you know, they had to rush, you know, Luke and Leia being born, which, you know, has to explain why they were on separate places. And we got to see Jimmy Smiths in there, you know, as Bao Ghana as uh, Leia's adopted father. So we got to see him in there. So it was kind of cool. Um, he played a key role because he was a big ally of the Jedi. So he was a big supporter of them. That's why, you know, if you watch New Hope, it kind of explains why Leia, like, Based on her dad, like her adopted dad, like raising her dad, always had fondness for the Jedi, and her dad had always respect for Obi Wan because they fought together in the Clone Wars. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I would say that had to be. I'm not sure I'm not missing any films. So I'm I was at number five, so it'll be New Hope. I'm not missing anything. So sorry, guys. Um, so I had. Fan Menace. Okay, that was from episode one. And, you know, Last Jedi. Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones. Ranger Sith. Ranger Sith. That one. Yeah, the number was number four. Okay. Number three um, will have to be Force Awakens. Reason why I pick. Uh, Force Awakens because it was pretty much um, a reintroduction into the Star Wars universe. Yeah, it's 10 years after the last Star Wars film. You know, when Disney uh, acquired Lucasfilms and they said, you know, guess what? The guys will bring back Star Wars. Everyone got so excited. But, what, you know, and of course, when James was announced as a director, it was like, oh, wow, we'll see how he, because he did Star Trek, he did Cloverfield. You know, he did Lost. You know, people were curious to see how he was going to do this. Of course, he had to cater to the fanboys, you know, the people from the old generation who grew up on Star Wars and stuff like us. I mean, they had to do a callback. Yeah, it was like more like a revert. Like, he took the same structure as Episode Four, But he tried, you know, like I said, put like different things into it. And like I said, introducing new characters to the Star Wars universe. But of course, paying homage to the old characters that basically started it off. So yeah, that'll be my number three. Will be Force Awakens. It's kind of weird, like one of the trilogies at the top thing. Um, other than that, I mean, number two will be Return to Jedi. Why? Because number Return to Jedi is number two instead of number one. It's because um, yeah, we got to see you know the closure with um, Luke and Vader. We got to see Vader finally, you know. His good side finally came to light. You know, we got to see a little bit of the Emperor. Um, reason why it's number two is because, you know, that Obi-Wan mentioned Anakin a little bit. But I think to me it was like, I don't know if George Lucas had a plan when it came to, you know, about Anakin. Because we didn't hear too much of it until the third film. Or a little bit in the second like the third film. Because it was after, you know, so... Of course, I think Lucas had to find a way to, like, find some way to explain why his dad went there. But not too much, because at that time, he wasn't developing the prequel films. Mm-hmm. So, it's like, the top of his head. I mean, the sequence with Obi-Wan was kind of cool. We got to see Yoda. I mean, Yoda dying was kind of, like, kind of sad for because I got attached to Yoda from Empire. So, it was kind of interesting, you know, the puppetry and everything with him. And, um, of course, we got to see the Ewoks. You know, really interesting 
bunch of characters, you know, the teddy bear-like creatures that occupy the forest room of Endor. Um, of course, we got to see, you know, Jabba the Hunt a little bit, and of course, uh, Han getting free for the Carbonite, and of course, Boba Fett, that's the one thing too, Boba Fett dying right away. I mean, he came out, he did one little appearance in the first, in episode four, apparently he did more, he was debuting the holiday special. Um, and then, of course, episode two, we see a little bit of him when he takes Han away because he was pretty delivering to Jabba the Hutt. Um, you guys are probably thinking, well, how come I didn't say Leia in the, the slave girl bikini? I'm like, come on. And I'm going to go that route? Okay, you should look good in it. But, um, yeah, it was crazy with both of just getting his rocket thing put off. He falls right to the Sarlacc pit and boom, he's dead. So we didn't see too much of that character. You know, he wasn't developed too much as well. That's why in the same thing with the sequel in Attack of Clones. We saw more of his dad, but not much of him as a kid. And that's why where people were clamoring if they were going to do like a anthology film, like they were solo, they were going to do one on. I know there were plans to do one on Boba Fett, you know, him growing up after his dad died. But that would lead me to my number one would be Empire Strikes Back. Hmm. That would be my number one because I mean, you know, how can you um, follow destroying the Death Star? Because at that time when Death Star was destroyed, people thought, oh, you know, this film's over, you know. And no one thought this was, this was going to be a planned trilogy. So when Lucas said, oh, guess what, we're going to do this, he decided, oh, it's going to be a trilogy. It's like, it's kind of hard to follow, you know, destroying a Death Star. But it's like, what well, it goes from here? Because everyone thought, you know, at the end of, of New Hope, you know, that was it, they won. But no, it was a series of battles. It was like the war was still not far from over. Um, the reason why I liked it was the fact that they were in a different world. They were in Hoth. They were in the cold. Um, you get to see that little, um, I would say, tension between Leia and Han. And you can tell Han had a little thing for the princess. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, uh, Luke, you know, he was still, like, battling the grips of losing Ben. Because he would train him for a little bit. And, of course, you know, when he's riding a Tauntaun, the cold, he ends up seeing a vision of Ben Kenobi. And he's telling him to go to, uh, Dagobah to take out Yoda. And of course, we get introduced to Yoda... At that time, who ends up like being an old Jedi master and stuff training him was kind of cool because at the time, you know, it was kind of funny because Yoda, like, when, he, when he comes across him, you know, Yoda's been away from civilization. He was hiding in the swamps, you know, being in exile. And uh, he acts out himself. No. And he's going crazy. He was acting all loony and stuff. And um, that was kind of cool when he's going to train sequence, you know, helping Luke, you know, develop his powers for the same time, go with the conflict he has. And the whole thing of Vader decide. That famous line where Luke, I mean, your father, was kind of threw everyone off to like it pretty much threw a curveball because everyone thought, Oh, you know, as soon as you hear like Vader chops off Luke's hand off, like, Holy shit! I'm like, and then, um, him telling Luke that I'm your father, I bet you threw everybody at that time back in the day for Luke was like, What really? That's his dad, your dad was trying to kill you, man. I'm like, Um. Like I said, that fight was good. Like, the first fight between um, Luke and Vader, that was good, like I said. And, of course, um, I mean, the action was really good. Like I said, it's like, it was setting the tone of what eventually the third film was going to be. Mm-hmm. But, you know, like I said, it was a great follow-up to New Hope. And it was like, you know, same thing. Um, we introduced to Lando, so we know that, you know, Han... We find out, you know, the Falcon wasn't owned by Han that he, he wanted from Lando. So you got to see, you know, Lando get introduced in your verse as well. Um, like Chewie, you know, the dynamic between Chewie and Han. And um, 
Like I said, the tension between him and Leia to eventually the point that Leia does some calm to her feelings and she tells Han that she loves him when he's about to get frozen in carbonite. Um, like I said, uh, obviously that would be my number one film. It had to be Empire Strikes Back. And I was going through all the rankings. A lot of people ranked that film as their number one of all the whole saga. Yeah. Because if you look at it, like going back and watching those films, it's like, yeah, Empire holds up more. It holds up. Definitely has. That's a good one. That's the Hoth one, right? Yeah, it's one around Hoth, and then they, you know they're flying those ace speeders, and they had to tie the, the strings around the ats, those big ass machines. That was kind of cool. You get to see that, you know, when they're going around and pretty much, you know, flying around. Because remember, it was a nod. It was a nod to it. Civil War, Captain America Civil War, and um, Peter Parker says, "Hey, have you guys seen Empire?" And it's like, how old is this kid? It's like, how old is this kid? He's doing the whole thing to Ant Man. I was like, there was like a callback. Yeah. Because it shows how much of an impact that film had on somebody. Like, and it's funny because Parker was a young kid, so it's like somehow his generation was able to see that film. It kind of showed that Star Wars existed in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, it's, it transcends everything. Yeah, so yeah, so that's my ranking list. So, what do you think of that? <laughs> no, it's good. I mean, it's pretty similar. It's it's not bad. It's because it's we both had different perspectives on it, so it's, it's never all lists are never going to be the same. No, I mean I've, I've seen like I've seen some lists where I think like New Hope was number one, but a lot of, so far the ones I've seen were like a lot of people were ranking like Episode Nine as the lowest. Again, like I agree with some. I think some were ranking Last Jedi, like you said, you rank Last Jedi as the the worst one. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of them were saying Empire was the the number one. I mean, you but New Hope was on the top, you know, the top five. But, yeah, like I said, I haven't seen Solo. I can't really say how that film is. I mean, I've seen Rogue One. I thought Rogue One was great. It was a different, you know, turn in, this, in the in Star Wars universe. It was more dark. It was more gritty. And it worked just well because it kind of shows... It kind of gave the explanation how, you know, the Rebel Alliance got those plans. Yeah. It gave, like, an explanation. Which that was a plot hole because even in their opening crawl, they're saying they, they were going to secure the plans for the Death Star. But remember in Episode 2... A clack of clones. It was the Genosians that developed the plans for the Death Star. And that's the one thing I forgot to mention. They mentioned the Death Star. They had the plan. They were the ones who created the schematics for the Death Star. And barely in Episode Three, they started building it. Yeah. So I mean, you got anything else to add before we wrap this episode up? Because I know it's the holiday season, and of course. Um. No, just I was disappointed. It's a movie, but I hope we get more Star Wars in the future, and I'm hoping that they give us some info on anything that they decide to bring back. Uh, I'm just going to keep watching The Mandalorian and, and enjoy that property. But other than that, uh, have a Merry Santa Claus Space Jesus Day. Um, enjoy the holidays with your family, uh, and cherish your loved ones, um, and keep on listening with us. And we are ready to celebrate the new decade. Oh yeah, don't forget next week we're actually going to have get our buddy Ivan on. We're going to try to do a... We're gonna try to do a, a year review little, type of thing. Review. A year review. Because, I mean, this is the last decade. Yeah, so. so stay tuned for that next week. And, guys, that you know, happy holidays. Feliz Navidad. Happy Life Day. <laughs> you will know what that means if you're a fan. What I mean by that. So don't forget, you can catch our episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Pretty much wherever you get your podcasts at. Um, always follow, go to facebook.com slash talking pop with the franchise of Biko. If you have any questions, 
you want to mention to us or Miko, you can follow me on Twitter at TheFranchise85. Um, you can check out our store on Teespring. We do have merch. We've got t-shirts. we got hoodies. we got tank tops for the summer. we got coffee mugs with our logo on them. Um, we even got our logo on stickers, so you can stick them in your locker or your laptop or tablet. Um, like I said, support the podcast. Um, once again, happy holidays. As always, geek on and take care.